As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Built to Last show. I have my brand new friend, Steph Weber, here with us today. What's up, Steph? Hey, Megan. I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody it's a very big day for you today. What is it? It is. It's my 29th birthday. So last year in my 20s, we're celebrating all the goodness and a big rollout for the business today as well with a new launch. And so lots of great things, lots of good energy today. Totally. Well, by the time this airs, you will you will fully be the 29-year-old. So mm-hmm. uh, the date of this recording, it is Steph's birthday. So happy birthday. She and I both have really important years coming up. I was telling her I'm 39. I'm stepping into my 40s in a couple of months. So we're both entering into new decades, which is really cool. So cool. Yeah. So powerful, yeah. powerful time for sure. For sure. So how about let's start here. If you will share a bit about your backstory, tell us about your background before you started your business. Uh, I always think that's so interesting to hear when someone had a corporate career or had experience in what they're doing now, which I know you do. So fill us in a little bit about your background, your career, and then why you even decided to start this business at, I mean, honestly, a pretty young age. You've been exceptionally successful in the first few years. So fill us in on some of those gaps. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to actually take you back to when I was 17 um, first to start. So my family had a small business, which unfortunately failed in 2010, just before my senior year of high school. And my parents said, if you want to go to school, you can, but you're doing it on your own. And I said, okay, I'll figure it out. I had already decided I wanted to go to Butler University to study PR and advertising. And I worked three jobs my freshman year. One was at a local boutique. um, One was teaching dance and one was in the office of financial aid at our university. And that job with a small business, the local boutique here in Indianapolis led me into being their brand manager when I graduated college. So my whole background and journey really has been with small businesses and entrepreneurs and supporting their dreams and supporting their growth to ultimately do what it is that they do best and bring to the world. And in 2016, that boutique that I was working with started connecting with influencers to be able to help promote their brand and gain visibility in a different way. Um, and influencers were kind of like hot and trendy at that time. And I said, I can do this. I can talk about what I'm wearing and where I'm traveling and the makeup I'm putting on my face. I like that seems like my jam. So I actually started as a fashion, beauty and travel influencer under the name Trendy and Indie. My niche really was focusing on the small businesses that make Indianapolis all that it is. If you haven't, if you're listening and you're like, what even is Indianapolis? Like maybe, you know, about the Indy 500. Maybe you're like, I have no idea where that even is on a map or you guys have a lot of cornfields, right? We have a really cool local community and our small businesses are really powerful in the way that they bring people together and what they bring to just the different neighborhoods that we have here in Indy. And so my goal was really to be able to support them as an influencer and bring new people from our community into their businesses to be able to shop, support them and help them essentially thrive. I was sitting at New York Fashion Week in 2018 and realized... I had been feeling this for a few months, but I was like, man, 
Influencer marketing for me, it's great, but it is not what is going to allow me to catapult to the next level and be able to be a CEO of my company and be employed on my own um, and really do this in the scale that I want to do it. And I knew that it wasn't serving the entrepreneurs that I wanted to serve in the biggest and best way possible. The businesses that I was working with, a lot of them were executing a marketing tactic. They were like, let me get on Instagram. Let me try the Facebook group, whatever it is. And they didn't have this solid brand strategy. So when I would go in to do a try on session or like share that this new restaurant opening, I was like, well, tell me your story. Like, tell me why you exist. Tell me what it is that you actually want to do. And I realized very quickly that there was this gap between branding and marketing that I could help fulfill and solve through coaching. It started as consulting, then turned into coaching and now has turned into our full service agency. So that's kind of where that pivot happened. And in 2019, I hosted um, an event for women entrepreneurs that was largely focused on social media branding um, and then self-care for entrepreneurs as well. And 150 women flooded the room that day who knew me primarily as an influencer. And from that moment on, my brand really shifted and has become the Weber Co. as you see it today. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm sure you see, I also see this too. There's a lot of confusion out there in the business world around the difference between branding and marketing. What is the difference between branding and marketing? Question number one. Mm -hmm. And then if you'll just keep talking about how do the two integrate and marry and work together? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. This is so powerful. So first of all, branding is how you are perceived. It is your message. It is what people think about you. It is the dinnertime conversations. It is what your friend is telling their friend about why they need to buy from you, work with you, whatever it may be. So it is that perception and it is that overall feeling that creates some kind of emotional connection to the brands that we choose to do business with. I always say that this is where the loyalty and the trust comes into play. Marketing is simply your vehicle for sharing that message, for letting people know that you exist for building the visibility and awareness that's needed in order to actually drive sales in your business. So that's the way that I kind of look at branding and marketing. And then Megan, your second point to that question is kind of like, how do these two intertwine and really work together to support one another? Well, I always say first, it starts with understanding what your brand strategy actually is, how you're positioning yourself in the market, having those core pieces of your mission, your vision, and your core values. Absolutely. But what are your differentiating factors? What is it that you're actually doing to stand out? And what's your client experience? And then how do you actually translate that into your marketing efforts? So when someone follows you on Instagram or they join your Facebook group community or whatever it may be, how does your brand experience back what they're experiencing with you before they even buy from you? And I really look at how branding and marketing go hand in hand, even from that very first touch point all the way to the time that that client or customer becomes what I like to call a raving brand fan. And that is someone who is referring people to you, somebody who is raving about you, raving about their results, whatever it may be. Um, But they're somebody who trusts you and is very loyal to you. Got it. Got it. Why is branding so hard for people? It seems like it's like this elusive thing for folks, right? Like people start a business. Typically they do not focus on brand first. They just jump in. I got to make money. Got to create my products and my programs. Got to build a community. And they go out and hustle and grind to make the money. Possibly, I mean, you can make six, multiple six figures without, I mean, really without focusing too much on your brand. It just kind of depends. There's lots of variables and factors. But there seems like there's so much confusion around branding. Why is that? Well, I think for so long, Megan, branding was often thought about as fonts, logos, and colors. And so it has been this kind of visual conception for a very long time 
not the in-depth messaging and positioning and like the emotional connection that you're creating with your audience. Now, what I like to say for entrepreneurs who have built the six-figure and multi-six-figure business without some kind of a brand strategy is that more than likely you have developed some kind of maybe unintentional brand at some point. And that's fine, right? Is as you're getting started, but at some point you're going to want to shift. You're going to want to evolve. Having a brand strategy allows for those shifts. And when I coach entrepreneurs, when we work with them, I'm going, what's your long-term vision? Where is it that you're actually trying to go? And where do we need to start in order to make that a reality for you? So your brand has to continue to grow and evolve with you. I'm definitely the brand strategist that's over here going, if you're not setting yourself up to change in a year from now, you're not doing your branding right because you'll continue to grow and change and your brand has to allow for those shifts too. Keeping in mind that who you are at your core of a human being, that likely isn't going to change, right? So those pieces kind of come into your brand. One of our core values at the Weber Co. is to celebrate through adventure. And that has been something, travel has always been something that's important to me. Seeing different cultures, having those cultural experiences has been something that's always been important to me. So we do client retreats in really cool places like in Scottsdale, or we did one in Vermont and Spruce, Vermont, which was really, or Stowe, Vermont, Spruce Peak Lodge. Um, But that was really cool in the fall. So Things like that, that I'm like intertwining into the Weber code, but that are who I kind of am at my core that I bring into this yes. as well. So it sounds like once someone figures out their brand strategy, building the business and navigating the shifts, navigating decisions, it actually becomes easier, mm-hmm. right? Like building a business, everybody thinks like making these decisions are so hard. And how do I position myself here? And how do I articulate my message there? And I have this new idea. How do I move it forward here? Or right? There's so much hard work involved and there's so much just lack of clarity and questioning oneself and doubting. And I'd be interested to hear if you can think of an example off the top of your head, perhaps of a client that you've worked with who had a business. It doesn't matter how much money they made. They had a business, but they hadn't had a, they didn't have a brand strategy. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through like what does become so much easier and like eliminates the confusion or the questioning once you have the brand strategy in place? And I'm asking this question because I was someone who didn't start out with a brand strategy Mm -hmm. and I experienced over the years, you know, I grew super duper fast and I was able to maintain that for a few years, but then you do get to a point in your journey where if you don't have that brand strategy in place, you can find yourself second guessing, questioning, like all the things. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, business can get really, really difficult. Making decisions can get really difficult. And so I want people to see and understand that brand strategy is one of the most significant ways to eliminate all of that so that you really have this guideline that you're following no matter what comes down the pipeline, no matter how you're evolving and changing or shifting your business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, I have two different client examples that I can share here. The first one I'm going to share with you, her name is Elise. She is um, a money coach and she came to me last year, March. Oh, it's been a year. It's been a year. So she came to me in March of 2021 um, and she was charging people for an hourly rate to give them some kind of support and guidance when it came to their finances. She was kind of serving anyone and everyone, whoever would come to her. She had a previous career on Wall Street. So she was kind of like known by maybe her circle and people that would refer to her for for doing this work and for helping people ultimately increase their wealth. 
Well, she came to us because she was realizing that charging the hourly fee at some point she was going to tap out and not be able to take on any more clients based on the fact that she didn't have a structure, based on the fact that she really didn't have clarity and who she was actually serving in the biggest and best way. And based on the fact that she wasn't really sure what her actual message was and what was making her different in this space where, like most industries, it's saturated. So she was like recognizing some of these gaps. She came to us um, and in the first three months, we worked through a helping her understand what her mission, her vision, her core values are, but also understanding who it was that she truly serves in the biggest and best way. So we call this defining your avatar. Um, We also talk about with our clients an avatar continuum because we recognize that people come into your business in various different stages of their life or their path, their specific journey with you. Um, so we mapped that out for her and we helped her develop an offer that actually leaned into her brand and leaned into helping her clients and supporting them in the best way possible. We believe that offer development and offer refinement is a piece of that brand strategy. So after doing all of that, she had made her investment back with the Weber Co and had her first five-figure month in business with clients that were on a six-month program, creating recurring revenue in her business as well and helping her clients get better and bigger results. So that's one example of somebody who, once they had that in place, drastically changed their business. Now she's actually an agency client and we run her social media marketing efforts. She is celebrating a $20,000, her first $20,000 month, which was really awesome in the month of February this year. So lots of great growth for her, but it really started with going, okay, who is it that you serve? What makes you different? Like, why should people choose you over Dave Ramsey or like whoever else exists out there in terms of these expert spaces? The other client that I would share with you is one that actually experienced a massive pivot She had really great growth in terms of her network marketing business. She had a team of 100 plus people who were international and she was really growing and expanding that business. But she realized that that maybe wasn't the way that she wanted to continue to grow and evolve in her life and in her own business. So she wanted to develop a coaching company to help other network marketers be able to be full time as a network marketer. So Whitney came to us with this need of going, you know, I've developed a brand that's kind of humorous and people connect with in a way, but I don't want to just be known as a network marketer. I want to be known as somebody that coaches, as somebody that impacts, as somebody that can be an authority to help other network marketers thrive in their companies and their businesses and be able to actually do something with that instead of just sitting at that. um, I think it's like 1% of people actually make it in network marketing or actually are profitable. Um, And she was like, I want to change that. Like I have a big vision to actually help people thrive in this way. So she came to us, said that we developed her brand strategy for her coaching business. Um, And then she had a six figure launch. Wow. It sounds like with both of these examples, things were challenging for them at first, right? Like I would imagine not being super clear on what your offer is, not charging enough. That person was working so hard to make ends meet. And then this other person who was kind of having like this identity crisis, when you're in the middle of an identity crisis, it becomes really challenging to show up every day confidently and with conviction. So it sounds like through your work and them being clear on what their brand is, things got a whole lot easier for them, right? Like it doesn't mean that we're, we don't have to work in our business, but it sounds like we're going from like hard work, grinding, things aren't really working the way you want it to work when you have the brand strategy in place, it's a more easeful, joyful way of growing and leading a business. Would you say that's so? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Megan. I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into entrepreneurship because they want to have time freedom or they want to be able to have location freedom. Maybe they want to be able to travel with their families. 
Well, I think oftentimes we start in a way that feels maybe small or minimizing because we're not sure of our full capability, which means also that we're not developing a brand strategy that represents our full capability and what we really want to bring to the table. When we can lean into what I call being an authority brand and say, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. This is what I want to cultivate in my life and in the lives of others. That's where true magic and true growth happens. And I always like to say, we focus on making impactful, sustainable businesses. I'm not here to help you have like overnight success, but I am here to help you understand what it looks like to be an authority in your space and allow that to translate into various different areas of your life. Yep. So you mentioned personal values a few minutes ago. When it comes to creating the values of your business, are the values of your business the same values you have as a human being? Can they be the same? Are they the same? Or could they actually be completely different sets of values? And how do you how do you decide that? Yeah, I oftentimes find that when I'm working with entrepreneurs, typically solopreneurs, sometimes entrepreneurs with smaller teams, that a lot of who they are as human beings transcends into the business. And that's neat. That's not good. That's not bad. It's like, it's neither one or the other. It's just kind of the reality of what happens. Oftentimes you're creating a business because you see a problem and you want to be able to solve it right in some way, shape or form. So who we are as beings and showing up from a place of maybe integrity or honesty or whatever it may be. Sometimes these core values have been developed from experiences that we've had in the past that we're like, this is a problem and we want to be the solution for it, right? I mean, I can tell you that from past employment and work experiences, there are team core values that we have at the Weber Co. that translate over into what I experienced as an employee and never wanted to bring into our work environment. So we actually have a set of core values for our company and a set of core values for our team. Um, And the reason that I chose that kind of differentiating factor, I expect that everyone on our team upholds our company values, but I also expect that our team is full of self-starters, of people who go the extra mile, who are all in on the Weber Co. So some of these core values are important from a team perspective, but not necessarily from a client perspective. Um, But, you know, we expect that our team is upholding our inclusive community value. We expect that they are upholding our celebrating through adventure value as a company as a whole. Yeah. So it sounds like part of the brand of the company is also the company culture that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's culture. So company culture, team culture, client culture, program, all, all the cultures. Yes. Is that like one in the same with brand or is it part of it? It is absolutely part of it. And this is where I think, Megan, you asked earlier about why is branding such this like elusive kind of concept for people? I think because people don't fully understand all that goes into building a brand and all that truly goes into the perception of your company and how you're treating other human beings. You know, I always say like keeping it really simple, the brand comes back to how you're doing business and interacting with other human beings at the end of the day. And we have to come back to like, we have human human needs where we need to feel seen and cared for and loved and heard, right? And so when we're creating our team culture, that transcends into our client culture because our clients can obviously feel if there's something that's not right on the team, right? They feel like that's off um, or vice versa. Like if there's something that's not making sense on the client side, the team can feel that, right? So we have to make sure that across the board, whatever your brand stands for and that brand experience, not just from your customer or client perspective, not just what you're sharing on social media, it's actually internal as well as it is external. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. I love your explanation of what branding is. And I think, and you know, you're right. 
people who have never been in this industry or they never had a job or a role in branding, you really almost have like no concept of what it actually means. And you're right. A lot of people think branding are my colors and my logo, but it's such an internal process as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is an internal process. And it's it's something that kind of requires you to go in before you can put all of this out into the world and, you know, get really honest with yourself. And I always say it comes back to your future vision. And what does that actually look like for you in a year from now, in five years from now, in 10 years from now? What is it that you're trying to cultivate today, the step you're taking today and your brand and what you're putting out there, what is that going to mean in 10 years from now? Going back to the client that I shared with you earlier, Elise, she came, when she came to us, she said, you know, I want everyone to feel like they have access to somebody who can help them understand what it means to build their wealth. So one of her goals is to create a nonprofit at some point that would support people to be able to do that, who have a lower income or whatever that means. She's like, I I want everyone to have access to this. Everyone deserves to have access to this. And that's a piece of what she works on every day. Every time she gains a new client, she's thinking about that, right? That's important when it comes to your brand as a whole. And not only like that vision gives you drive, gives your clients drive, but it gives your team drive too. And if your team doesn't have buy-in to your brand as a whole, they're not showing up to work for you to help your business thrive and to help themselves thrive. They're showing up for a paycheck. And there's a big difference between an employee that's showing up for a paycheck versus an employee that's showing up for the overall vision of where it is that you're taking things and how you're impacting the world as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. So with brand, an ideal client, Mm -hmm. to what degree does who you're serving play a role in the, you know, creation and conception of your brand? It's everything. I say it's everything because I think we have to remember that the brand There are pieces of us in our brands, right? But we're creating this brand to serve our clients, to serve our avatar, to serve this person that is experiencing this problem that our business exists to help solve in some capacity. So when you're thinking about how you're positioning yourself, it's how are you positioning yourself so that your most ideal client sees you, hears you, and ultimately chooses you over the sea of saturation in whatever industry you might be in. Because your brand is so strategic in the way that it has spoken directly to them. And they are going, I feel seen and heard by that brand. I feel connected to that brand on a, le- on a more emotional level than I do with anybody else. And that's why I'm saying yes to you. Yeah. So important. So important. It's a both and. It's who are you? What's the culture of your company? But it's also taking into consideration who the ideal client is. I love that. And that can be challenging for people. It's why it's why we hire brand strategists like you to help us with that, right? Yeah. We have to pause and yeah. really think very deeply and very creatively about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You very- do. And I think it's easy to get caught up in the pieces of the avatar that are not necessarily the most crucial, important pieces. Um, I always say a lot of people like to get caught up in like, the demographic info, like their age or where they're located or how much money they're making. And sometimes those factors are relevant. They they are relevant, but they're not the most important pieces of who you serve. When you're really taking a look at your avatar, this is about what is it that they are feeling challenged by, but also what is it that they want? What is it that they desire? Who is it that they want to become? And if we are not clear on those two pieces, it's very difficult to market to the people that we can serve in the biggest and best way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You're, you're such a firecracker. I love this. I love it. Thank you. Okay. I have a bit of a personal question for you. Um, I know you're a married woman and you have a new little one who is a year. 
And he came into the world after you were already a business owner. I would love for you to share, you know, we have listeners. um, Some of our listeners are married, no kids. Some of our listeners are single moms. Some of our listeners are married, kid, business owner, all the things. Yeah. How did things shift for you? And from going from, I'm a single woman in my twenties, I got a lot of time to build this whole dream of mine to now you're a mom and there's this new being in your life and uh, you have new responsibilities. It's a different ball game. I'll just be like really honest. I mean, I'm a mom. It's a very different ball game to just be you or you and your husband and building the dream and then do it as a parent. I would love your insight because it's so fresh and new for you. Yeah. What, yeah. what are the differences that you have found? Was it wobbly for you at first? How did you have to just kind of reimagine or reinvent the way you operate in your business now that you are a mom. Yeah. So what's funny about the story with Eli, my son, we found out that we were pregnant in June of 2020 with him. This was right after I had just launched a brand new coaching program, had just experienced an $85,000 launch, had 20 plus new clients in my ecosystem, quit my full-time job, my corporate job, and also found out we were pregnant. And all of that happened in about a four week period of time. And I was like, okay, we're good. It's all going to be fine. Not that we hadn't really planned for him. I mean, we were actively trying to have a baby. Um, but it was one of those moments where I said, okay, and how, what does this actually look like? And at the time we were also living in Phoenix. So we were away from family. Um, and we, it was, you know, kind of just the two of us. And we were like, all right, what's going to make sense. And for me, for myself and for my husband, it came back to, okay, How are we going to do this in a way that we make sure that we stay true to who we are as beings and that we support this little life that we are bringing into the world? And what does that dynamic look like for our family? And what are some of the decisions and choices that we're going to make? My husband and I have been together since I was 15 and he was 16. So we've been together for a long time. We've gone through a lot of growth with each other and we've learned what works and what doesn't work in our relationship and our marriage. But When Eli came in February of 2021, um, I had started growing our team. So for me, that was really beneficial to be able to have team members that I could lean on and and trust to help. Um, But I I feel like the biggest thing, the biggest shift for me from before I had Eli to now having him has been putting boundaries in place and making sure that everyone who's on my team and who is a client of the Weber Co. understands that I am a mom and many of my clients are also moms. So, you know, last week I was sick. Eli was sick. He has just started school. It's like been a whole thing. He's been sick for like four weeks and I had to move meetings around and I hate doing that, but I also have clients that get it and they understand. And they're like, you know what, Steph, it's all good. I know you've got my back and everything will be fine. And that's, that's how I roll, right? If I don't have clients that don't support that and that don't get that, you're not going to be a client of the Weber Co. And that's all there is to it because my son's health and like he comes first and that's all there is to it. Now, we also did move back to Indiana. So I have help. So my mom is here today helping and she comes up a couple times a week and she like loves her grandma role. So that's beneficial for us as well and super helpful. And we're really thankful that he gets to be raised around grandparents and our family. And that was a decision that we made moving back from Phoenix to the winter of Indiana so that he can be around family. But, you know, I think for me, it's really the lens of not only am I making this decision for myself and for my husband and like that unit, but I'm making this decision now for a family unit. And that's been a really important shift and dynamic as well. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I could keep talking to you 
on and on and on about so many things. This has been such a fabulous conversation. If you will uh, share with us exactly who you work with. And I also know you have coaching programs. You now have an agency. So I want to hear a little bit about that. Tell us who your like absolute ideal client is for your programs, for your agency, and the best way for people to get in touch with you. The simplest way for me to say this, Megan, is that we work with entrepreneurs who want to make an impact and who ultimately want to see growth within their businesses and who are go-getters, who are motivated, who are like, I'm freaking going after this and I know wholeheartedly what I want to bring to the table and I might need some help and some support in getting there, but I'm, I want to go all in on this and I want to bet on myself and you're willing to take risks and you're willing to show up for yourself and for your business and for ultimately the life you want to live and the life you're helping others create too through whatever it is that you offer. So if you would describe yourself in that way, that is typically, those are some of the characteristics of entrepreneurs that we work really well with. Um, But ultimately at the end of the day, we serve product-based, service-based and network marketing entrepreneurs. So it doesn't matter what sector you're in. I have experience in all of those. And so does my team, which is cool. We bring a lot of like flavor to the table with our backgrounds, which is awesome. Um, And then yes, we do have coaching programs. So if you're looking for a coach that's going to be able to support you, help you make strategic decisions within your business and give you the steps and tools to build a really solid brand foundation and have a marketing strategy that supports the amplification of that. Great. We have an option for you. If you're like, my hands are so full and I need somebody to do this work for me and help me execute, then our agency side is going to be for you. And you can look at everything at theweberco.com. Our brand new website just launched. So it's very amazing. I just looked at it too. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited about it. Good, good. Well, congratulations on all the things, life and business, and officially launching the agency side of your business. And you've got a rocking team. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us your perspective uh, and all the things on brand. It's so needed. Thank you, Megan, for having me. It's truly an honor. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.